Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host Teresa Quinlan, I'm Rhys Thomas. We make up TNT. For those of you who don't know, TNT is our initials. Simple, right? Uh, we're here to explode the status quo. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can start doing differently. Welcome. Today's guest is Helen Amory of Wildfig Solutions. Uh, Helen's work is about high-quality conversations with smart, high-achieving leaders who've had enough of how it is so that they can uncover real fulfillment, security, and success. Basically, Helen helps individuals who seemingly have it all dismantle that busy mindset, the anxiety, the underlying inner dialogue um, of whether it really is enough. Helen's signature four-month coaching program is a one-to-one -to, -one to create space of safety to explore what's really on your mind. And the results, in, a, in their words, are the tangle of life drops away, you're connected back to your innate brilliance, and the heavy load of life lightens. Welcome to TNT ASQ, Helen. So great to have you here. Thanks, Reese. Hi, Teresa. Hi, good morning. So let's just get back to that little uh, takeaway there your innate brilliance. So tell us about this. We often ask people to explain what their passion is, their obsession, and, and, and share a little bit about their story of why that becomes so important to them and so integral in the work that they do. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Reese. So yeah, so my passion is reconnecting people to innate brilliance, really because it's made such a difference in my life. And I guess that's what people often do when they come across something for themselves and it makes a difference, then they can't do anything but share it with others. Um, a bit like an annoying ex-smoker, isn't it? Who <laughs> goes around telling everyone to stop smoking. But yeah, so in a really good way, I, I've found through this for myself, the gradual dissolving, the gradual unlayering of all the stuff that had been collected through the years and that was really just getting in the way of what's innate within all of us. Because what I point people to is not something which is special in just some people and which only certain people have access to. This is true of everybody. It's universal. And it's what we've always seen. Like whenever you've been in development with others, whenever you've maybe been a line manager and you've seen people grow and build in confidence, that's it's the same mechanism that's working that people are just starting to disbelieve some stories that they thought were really true and the more the stories are disbelieved the more brilliance appears because it just happens um the metaphor of the sun and the clouds is relevant so the instant the clouds go the sun's there we don't have to do something to make the sun appear and the same with us the minute the stories are gone the sun's there and that's really where I'm pointing people to and helping them just remember that, reconnect with that, because it never went anywhere. It's only been hidden. Two words that you used in there that are awakening my own excitement on this topic. And one is innate, the universality of it, and actually the reconnection piece. So three words. <laughs> For me, it's making me excited because... Perhaps our desire and want for things that are easy, but this doesn't sound like it's an easy process, is it? Well, in many ways it is. There's an incredible simplicity to it. And so actually perhaps the hardest thing is the intellect getting out of the way. 
because our intellect is what we've exercised all our lives and been trained to exercise through school and through work. And so the intellect tries to go to work on this too. And it's that which actually gets in the way of us realizing it because it's busy trying to actually figure something out which can't, it can't figure out, it can't grasp this. It can't conceptualize this, it's beyond concepts. And all it knows is concepts. Yeah, it's incredibly simple and therefore incredibly profound once it's realized. And that's the only way it makes a difference in people's lives is when they see it for themselves, when they have an insight, when they have a realization and they see what's happening, what's always been happening. And then it's like, oh my God. <laughs> so actually it can be a, you can have huge moments of insight where suddenly lots of stuff drops away easily obviously no effort needed no management of thinking needed no management of emotions needed just thinking disappears and then we're in a whole different experience mm -hmm. and then sometimes it can be like a drip 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 where it's a really gradual dissolve 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 and we gradually emerge into that brilliance that yeah like you said is is innate it's universal it's there already and it's just being revealed mm-hmm I love that. Yeah, I liked your uh, analogy with the with the clouds and the sun, and it made me think of another one, like a a master restorer of a painting. You know, a, a great masterpiece that over the years has become tarnished and boxed, and all these kind of little things. And it takes very much care, but also very simple to just slowly wash away those mm. layers that have been built up. And then when you're talking about the process, as we talk about figuratively, you're like you're basically disengaging that left side of the brain that's become more um, controlling and re-engaging the right side and once you've done that that might be tricky it could be difficult some people might get it really quickly some people might struggle once you've done that that it's like a cascade like a waterfall and things just flow through much easier and much simpler so um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about the name of your business it's mm -hmm. always interesting me I know that there is a lot of symbolism behind the wild fig and I just wanted to ask is there more to that and I wanted to just Throw that cheeky question out there. Tell us about why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, actually. I'll go back to the beginning of the story, but in some ways, the symbolism of the world figure is even more relevant now than it was when I first came up with it. Okay. It, it, it. For me now, knowing what I know, it's an example of where, yeah, there was an inner knowing that brought that to my mind at that the time when I set up my business. So that was like six years ago now. And I'd actually met with Perry Timms, who you might know of as well. And we'd had a conversation about me going freelance and what could be possible and what might I do. And um, as I drove back up the road to home, I was like, oh, and what would I call my business? And, you know, wh how would I represent it? And something that had struck me from the conversation with Perry, which other people had also fed back in the past in work, was that I have a really deep curiosity. And I seem to always really want to get to the heart of what's going on. And I was like, ooh, deep. And I like, I like trees. So mm, what's a tree with really deep roots? And then Googled it and it was a choice between the wild fig or the, um, oh, I forget it now. There's, a, there's another tree in, in Africa, the baobab, which also has deep, really deep roots. But I was like, ooh, but wild fig, I like, mm -hmm. I like wild fig. So that was where it started from. And then, but now, it's, and, and at that time, my work was very much in, psychotherapeutic coaching so it was very much about psychology fixing your psychology look how broken your thinking is let's make it better let's make it right um and I thought that was as deep as it could go like I thought I was really getting to the heart of it all then 
and then I came across this. And I was like, oh my God, there's another layer. There's, like, <laughs> there's even more depth. And, and so now I really do see this work as beyond psychology. It's, it's before that. And it, and it really shows how psychology never needed fixing in the first place. It was never the place to look for real change and for real shifts in experience. Um, and plus, yes, I guess the symbolism of the fig tree with Buddhism, although my work isn't, isn't Buddhism, the same foundational principles sit behind Buddhism as behind every other religion, as behind every other set of values on an organizational wall. You know, we all know what good looks like. We all know what being a kind, loving human looks like. And yet we really struggle to live that because we are caught in that programming of our psychology, believing that somehow got answers for us. So, um, yeah, so it has come to mean more than more than it ever did when it first got created. And in fact, I'm just in a rebrand at the moment. So there's going to be a new picture coming to represent my wild fig scene. Oh, still the same name though. That's good. Still the same name. Yes, I kept that. <laughs> yeah, such an abundant uh, tree. I've been lucky enough when I lived in France and Australia that they would just be growing on the side of the road or, mm-hmm. or in the garden. And, you know, they've always got a, a really good bounty and mm. always, you know, there's lots of symbolism. But yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, I never thought of that bit. That's beautiful. <laughs> what sparked the exploration for you to take this journey from where you were? Yeah, cool. There was a bit of a um, progression from... Um, my friend, she is a yoga teacher and she'd often said to me, come to yoga, come to yoga. And eventually I did. And that led to some shifts because physical stuck energy was, was released and allowed to move again. And so that kind of lifted some, some old patterns. And then she kept talking about this Buddha dude. And I was thinking, well, he Mm. sounds like he's a coach, like his beliefs sound very like coaching beliefs. So then I read a book about Buddhism and it was about the real essence of Buddhism. So it wasn't a particular school of thought in Buddhism. It was, it was just the purity of what's behind it. Um, and I was like, oh God, there's something in this. Like there's, if I could bring that in some way to leaders and businesses in a way that made sense, in a way that was kind of palatable, then that could be incredible. Like that's real. This is, you know, to, to be a great leader, I've seen for a long time that coaching is such a core part of that. And I thought, wow, if people really had these beliefs, then that that would be amazing, amazing leaders, amazing teams, amazing businesses. Um, and so then I was just kind of on this open exploration, following breadcrumbs, going, ooh, I wonder where what might occur to me or what I might find in the world. And then again, so Gary, bless him, getting another shout out, but Gary had um, Piers Thurston on his podcast back in June, nearly two years ago now. And I remember it was June just because it was a lovely sunny day. Everyone else was still asleep and I was listening to the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, Piers is doing it. Piers is actually, it sounds like he's talking about the same principles of Buddhism. But he, and he's doing it. He's talking to businesses about it. He's talking to leaders about it. Oh my God, it's real. And so I was then crying and just like delighted that I'd found what I'd been looking for really. Um, so then I worked with peers and then since then it's been just loads of exploration with loads of different teachers from all different walks of, of kind of the same people who are all pointing to the same thing, but who all do it in different ways. Cause I really wanted to get sort of a full rounded picture of the whole scene, if you like, so that I could then find my place in it and figure out how do I talk about it? What's my, what are my words? What's my way? Mm. I love that. So, um, 
you said earlier that you started off from a sort of uh, position of psychology, sort of psychotherapy, sort of, and then you said you've gone deeper and there are more layers, and I'm sure there are many layers that you've gone through. And I know we were talking earlier that love is obviously one of the things that you feel is at the center of what it is. Is that, mm -hmm. how, long did, how did you, can you describe that transition, that path, that journey from, from then? Is love, is love the end or is there deeper to go? Yeah, well, gosh, yeah. I was actually listening to something earlier from Deepak Chopra. I can send you the link if you want it for the show notes, where he was saying there's like 10 layers of stuff. And actually love was kind of, a, it was like second or third from the bottom or something. Because love is almost like the, it's how we experience what's at the essence at a human level. And then, so there is, there are layers beneath that in terms of just the, the very fact of us being our, mm. our essence, our, yeah, that sense of being, which isn't tangible, which you can't see, which you can't feel, which has no boundaries, has no age, has no gender. That's really what's at the base of it all. The thing that people connect to and feel perhaps when they're meditating, but equally, which we can feel at any moment in any day. Sometimes meditation looks like the access route, but it is only one access route. And the more we do that delayering process, the more we kind of notice it and feel it and it becomes our primary experience rather than the primary experience being the content of life and the people and the activities and that being the place we look for, for security and love and connection. Instead, we have a background experience of knowing what we are beneath all that. And that's then when we realize, oh, that was always where security was. That was always where love was. That was always where connection was. And all this other stuff is a surface attempt to represent that. So, yeah, what people have a consistent experience of is that when all their thinking drops away, mm. there is nothing but love, an unconditional love. It's not the love like we have in a relationship where we say, I'm choosing you over that person. They're better than you, essentially. <laughs> um, it's, it's absolutely unconditional so that everything everything is sourced from that everything we're experiencing every single day including anger including frustration including deep upset especially at the moment so i know people will probably listen to this at different times but at the moment we're in the midst of coronavirus so even in the midst of this which could be seen at a surface level as a horrendous experience but it's not that for everybody at a surface level there are seven million sorry seven billion different views of coronavirus in the world right now beneath all that beneath all the opinions and all the different good bad right wrong is love it's there's a there's a yeah that that's at the heart of everything when we strip everything back that's all that's left so so there's nothing that ever can't be that and i would imagine so i'm placing myself in sort of the position of our listeners which i find is really helpful because i'm considering Hmm. what do they want to ask next? <laughs> what do they want to hear next? And what's coming up is this delayering process of removing sort of the complexity and the noise that occurs to basically everyone on the planet. Maybe yeah, we can yeah. use that sort of extreme language. Yeah. Everyone on the planet experiences this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so getting to the purity and the, sim the simplicity does require 
this sort of step by step where we get to love and sure there's a few more deeper roots than that which the layer before was required to achieve before we can get to the next layer so what i'm wondering is in your experience when you're working with people are you finding that there's a sort of commonality between what the interrupters are so what is what is covering up all of these deep mm. layers for them is there mm. are there common themes that sort of show up in their labeling process yeah well the absolute fundamental one is not enough mm. so at the level of psychology that's the narrative which then comes forth in different ways so not enough could show up as i'm not good enough i'm not capable enough i'm not achieving enough i'm not earning enough I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not slim enough. I'm not, no, 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 but it's mm. always not enough. And that's because that level of psychology is an idea of self, which has been constructed and created over the years and whose nature is lack, whose nature is not enough, but entirely thought there is nothing of substance there. And all that's happened is when we've identified with that thought, we've then gone chasing and in the absence of knowing that there's somewhere else to look we've gone chasing outside to fulfill that feeling of not enough mm. oh i must need to do more learning i must need to earn more money i must need to get a better wife or husband or i must need to um have another car and it's in that incessant seeking that we've continued to cover up what's always been available and that will continue to happen like yeah so still for people who've been in this exploration for years we'll still have times when they get lost in that story and who yeah accidentally inadvertently get identified again with that voice and believe they're that voice and believe they're that limited person or that limited idea of self at least when you know what's going on at least when you know where else to look you can more quickly catch yourself and more quickly go, whoa, hang on. And the really good indicator is, is the horrible feelings we get. Those horrible feelings of anxiety or fear or tension or competition, actually. I've got to win. I've got to be the best. All of that is a signal that we're lost in the idea of self. And it can be momentary or it can be for days or weeks or months. We don't choose that. But the more we know that that's what's going on, the more quickly we're able to just look at it with curiosity rather than immediately rushing out into the world to try and fill that apparent gap and that apparent sense of lack. We're more able to just stay with it and be with it and see it for what it is. And actually that helps it move, that helps it change more easily and more quickly than if we try and squish it and cover it or pretend it's not there or yeah, try and smother it with another pair of shoes or mm -hmm whatever it is we're trying to use as a, a soothing mechanism, really. Thank you for that. Um, no, there are a few questions that have come up, but you know, just take a leaf out of what Teresa was saying and put myself in the listener's shoes. As you said, we're in a moment of anxiety, shall we call it. Is there a simple thing you can share with our listeners, a simple technique, something that you've used, something that you've um, heard that would help just maybe relieve some of that anxiety that you could share. Just, I'm not going into too much depth here, but just something that would be more beneficial than 
me asking you a question about love. Yeah, or even more beneficial than the self-soothing techniques that individuals are using right now to help them through it. Yeah, so I, I struggle with techniques and advice because we're not really in control of what we do. And if it looks obvious to go and buy a pair of shoes, we're going to go and buy a pair of shoes. And if in any attempts to, to actually cover that, are just another, that's just another smothering mechanism. <laughs> so there's part of the simplicity is actually going with whatever looks obvious. Mm. And, and just noticing whatever you're considering is, is right or wrong to do in this situation is only ever going to be made up because there is no such thing as right and wrong. If somebody's in an experience of anxiety, one person might want to go for a bath, another person might want to go for a walk, another might want to go shopping, albeit online right now, another might want to go and give somebody a hug, another might want to go and cry. And, and none of us can judge and say, this is right, this is wrong. The only thing I would say is, is just be with it, just whatever your experience of it is, just be with it, just see it, just be curious with it, just, yeah, start to wonder about is this really as definite as I've always thought it is? And any of that might then just create some space, create some shifts, create some change, something fresh might appear. Wandering can perhaps, for listeners, sound like a logical experience. Perhaps we can question, it's not quite a logical experience, but more of an emotional experience. So curiosity kind of pulls away from that intellectual side in that it's perhaps observation around I'm thinking of it in this logical rational way but the curiosity needs to be geared towards the emotional stay with it side of it would that be accurate yeah I guess it's seeing it with um I mean, it does bring back in the love actually Reese but seeing the loving curiosity like just uh huh yeah how interesting that this is here even going closer to it, you know, really getting up close to what's actually physically happening in my body right now. What seems to be running around and around in my head. Maybe writing those down. We don't know what the actual action would be, but just, yeah, approaching it with love and curiosity. No need to solve it. No need to get an answer because whatever happens will happen and that will emerge naturally perfect for you the more you just stay with whatever it is right now. Oh, I could see the ringing hand. That's what I have in the image in my hand is the ringing handedness of the time, the, the pace that this is compared to the age of intensity that perhaps people are used to, right? This, this constant uh, achievement wheel that we're mm -hmm. on. And this, mm -hmm. this, is, uh, this is asking for a slower pace of exploration. Mm, and well it's been fascinating I've had so many people say it's not, not really has been my experience to some extent but I think working with two kids doesn't hasn't necessarily lent itself to the slowing down that other people have had mm. things have slowed down a bit but yeah I know some people have had a really big shift from busy 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 to really slow you know people who maybe live on their own or just with a, one other partner or who have no work who who have been furloughed and who have nothing to do so for some people, it's been extreme shift. And that's the thing that I'm really hearing consistently from clients is that the extreme changes that we've experienced through this are really bringing right into our faces the things that we've been holding to be fixed and true and definite. 
And really it's such a, an amazing opportunity to start to question that. So rather than seeing it as with normally, we'd go scurrying into, oh, fix it, solve it, make it go away. Actually, it's an amazing opportunity to stay with it and be curious with it and go, wow, what is it that's been believed that's meaning that I'm finding this slowness so difficult? Yeah, seeing the opportunity rather than feeling the challenge, isn't it? Seeing the silver linings seems to be a phrase that a lot of have been repeating. So, all right, so let's get back to that question I, I avoided earlier. Um, <laughs> we had someone on the show last night. She's also a leadership expert. So the, what she uses, she uses the word care. Um, and I challenged her on it and I said, well, why do you use care? Why, why don't you use love? Because uh, another friend of ours is all about love in the workplace, love in action. How do you um, realize that? So I want to ask you how you find when broaching that subject or even that word, when it comes to leaders, to corporate, to clients, how do you overcome those limiting beliefs as we started off talking about, you know, that must be one of the big first hurdles. I'm assuming you don't just jump straight into with love <laughs> the first, first five minutes, maybe you do. How have you overcome what so many of us might find difficult? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, re I remember, um, I remember having concerns like that. So I remember thinking, gosh, how will I have this conversation with people? Will people think it's wacky? Will they think it's woo woo? Yeah. Will they run away if there's a word like love in it? Yeah. That used to bother me. And now it's just not a thing. I have the conversation with people. If people are interested, we work together. If they're not, we don't. And while we're working together, the words come out that seem to be just right for that person. And if there comes a point where love seems like a word to say, then that'll be said and it will be heard just for what it is. Because the only time it would be heard wrong is if I'm sitting here with a belief of, oh, I can't say that, that's the wrong word to say in business. So when all the stories have gone, it's just, yeah, words appear and they seem to fit with whoever I'm talking to. Mm, that's so perfect it's the same yeah. experience within emotional intelligence side is either the person is ready and willing and they're comfortable in that space or they're not and anytime you embark in any type of coaching in that world your client is the one who decides if they're ready there's mm -hmm. really nothing you can say sometimes that makes that any different um, so the semantics around you call it love, you call it caring, you call it emotion. Any one of those can be triggering for someone. You call it mindset. That could be triggering for someone. And they're like, mm -hmm. whoa, 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 up. I'm not ready to go there. But if we just want to talk about leadership, that's cool. And you're like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peeling away the layers is part of that process, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we come to these things when they're meant for us. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in this work who will say, well, yeah, I read that book like five years ago and it meant nothing to me. Yes. And then I've come back to it and wow, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have this hashtag, not anymore, which gives us that nugget that they can grab onto so they can start doing something differently. And you mentioned something that I think could be the statement that our listeners write and put on the wall in front of them as a reminder. When the stories are dissolved, what remains is love. Even saying it back gives me that emotional experience that's so fulfilling. Mm. 
in your experience, expertise in your work, what would be one thing or the first thing that you would recommend our listeners can start doing today to start to dissolve the stories? I'd say just notice your experience. Notice what's actually happening. And one of the first places that's kind of useful to look is the, the times when we are maybe feeling yucky in some way noticing what's on your mind at that time noticing what's whizzing around noticing the stories and noticing what that feels like and then notice a time when that's not happening so Mm. either you've had a period of time where you've just been god who knows what like just ironing or cooking or doing something with the kids or even work where that voice just hasn't been there and it's always afterwards, like we can't actually notice it while we're in that experience. But if afterwards you kind of look back and go, huh, well, that was easy. Mm. And that didn't have the busy voice running around and round. And notice what that felt like in that experience of what seemed to be no voice, or at least the voice wasn't bothering us at that time. Mm-hmm. Just begin there. Just just start to get a feel for the distinction between really what our experience is like in different at different times of the day and not with any need to change it not with any need to make it all be the time of no voice because that's just another layer and another story takes us further away but like you just did then you know noticing the feeling you had when you said that statement back notice those moments because that's you reconnecting that's you feeling your innate essence my innate essence is a bit of a crier (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of our friend um, Brian. He always uh, he always says about uh, flexing your noticing muscles, sort of having that, enjoying that pause, as you would say, Teresa, not not letting yourself be triggered, and then maybe even a reality testing putting in place, and just being able to sit with whatever the situation, emotion, feeling might be, and just be mindful of it and not reactive of it. And you said earlier that the word that came to mind wasn't love. It was unconditional and I feel that that word could be placed in any situation and if you just put that in front of everything it kind of makes everything else that much more possible and accepting and potential so I think unconditional was the word that really sat with me from everything that you said all the great things so thank you very much for for sharing that so how can people stay in touch with you how can they reach out to you and, and find out more from the amazing Helen Amory <laughs> uh, yeah, so probably best through the website, uh, wildfixsolutions.co.uk. Um, there's a, I have a new, weekly newsletter, so people can subscribe to that through there. And you get my, my ebook for free when you sign up. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> whichever of your favorite social media, you can find me on there too. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. The following part is I find really important, you know, as a listener, as you're, you know, connecting with Helen, her words, her experience, her work itself, jumping in to be able to connect and follow that messaging as well can be that starting point to to the adoption of Uh, the noticing, the observing. Sometimes we need the consistent reminder and Helen will be that consistent reminder person for you of like, are you checking in today? Well, how are your noticing muscles? (laughs) What power of observation did you experience today? So that would be sort of a plug from both Reese and I of 
come on audience get in there and start following so you can you can start your shift today yeah mm -hmm. thanks Teresa yeah. yeah and that's kind of why I make my newsletter weekly because mm -hmm. for so long we've been looking towards all this content of life that we've thought is the place to look and so that little weekly nudge 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 to just turn around and see what else is available it does seem to really help like yeah open the door let something fresh come through mm -hmm. well one of the primary barriers I believe it's experience for a lot of people is sometimes the external permission to spend time on the self, to give them that opportunity to say, I am worth it. I'm worth the time to pay attention is a great one from the external world before they can bring it and internalize it. So I think that's probably yeah. a really good way for people to also get started is find your permission piece. If you need it from someone else right now, sure. That's a great place to start too. Mm, yeah, cool. We now come to the rapid fire Q&A of TNT ESQ. We have 10 statements with two choices. But before we do that, one of the things I always love hearing from my partner in crime, Reese, is his golden nugget. And he said it already, but I would love for him to say it again because of how I think important it is for our audience to hear that word again. Unconditional? That's the one. <laughs> that's not one of the questions <laughs> it's not although we could change one of the questions to be unconditional or conditional <laughs> it's so powerful that word unconditional but i think it's very difficult it is from the intellect from our psychology yeah mm -hmm. Our nature is unconditional. Our nature has no boundaries, no barriers, no judgment, no the idea of inclusion, exclusion is just non-existent. But yes, from our intellect that's been told and only operates from putting stuff in boxes, differentiating and segregating and hierarching and all that. Mm -hmm. Some of our greatest known achievements in the world at large are things that we account to our intellect, our IQ. Mm, mm. It just, it's an interesting paradox I think to have discussions around is that mm, let's get back to the innateness of our love that unconditional love and watch what happens then so there's a, a Ram Dass quote the intellect is a is a brilliant servant and a terrible master mm. so the intellect is amazing for turning fresh thinking into stuff medical devices beautiful buildings incredible paintings it's the thing that it's the thing that turns the innate into action. But we've just got it the wrong way around. We've been trying to put the intellect in the role of the boss and it's not capable. It's been like the ultimate Peter Principle situation. It's been promoted beyond its capability. And we just need to rebalance that. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> that was a moment, Teresa. Revelation for Teresa. Oh my God, I'm having it. Well, it made me think of leadership. How often yeah. leaders are promoted beyond their oh. capability and then really, really struggle. And we consider great leadership comes from that source of unconditional caring, love, whatever you want to stick at the, the word in the center there. Yeah. It come, comes from that space in order yeah. to lead other people. Oh, yeah. oh my God, what a great circle experience today. Thank you, thank you a million times, oh. Helen. Okay, here we are. 10 statements, two choices. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Ready. You're ready. Okay, number one, <laughs> manager or leader? 
both. <laughs> mm. I'll go leader. I'll go leader. Okay. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? <laughs> it's definitely gray. Optimist or realist? Realist. This might be an unfair, the f- <laughs> one of the first times number five is an unfair question. <laughs> Canada, <laughs> Canada or England? Oh, that's really hard. Scotland. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first time I think Scotland has gotten a shout out. Oh, yay. (laughs) Number six, heart or head? Heart. Empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Introvert or extrovert? No such thing. Just another label? Yeah. Well, yeah, all of it is, but yeah, that one particular struggle to choose one. <laughs> okay. Logical or emotional? Oh, these are all so hard because I want to say both every time. All of it. Um, emotional. And 10, innovation or process? Innovation. I, I wish some people will be able to watch like video clips of this and I wish they could see your face (laughs) and the struggle of choosing between like opposites of a spectrum, which really speaks to the work that you're doing. You live it. Clearly you live it. You're like this. I want to say both to every single one of them because all of these are labels of things and I don't operate like that. (laughs) Well done. You made it through anyways, Helen. Thank (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, for your wisdom. Uh, for your presence, your heart. It was beautiful. Thank you both for your questions and inviting me on. Thank you. The best way for us to find out if we are giving you, our listener, the value of your time by helping you think differently so you can do differently is if you write a review and give a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on.